Amen. You know, the Spirit of, the Holy Spirit of God inhabits the praises of His people. And I love that because, you know, uh, when the Holy Spirit moves, He really moves. When He moves, He moves. And what a, what a beautiful thing it is. I hope you had a good week of ministry this week, just reaching out to people, those around you, uh, ministering to folks as, as you see opportunities. And, um, you know, I, I love this because uh, we've got a great passage here. And um, I know it's, it, uh, the worship team has put us in this frame to, to hear from the Spirit of God. And, um, you know, we're going to be in Romans chapter 8. And so if you have your scripture and you want to open up to that, we're just going to camp out there for a little bit. And uh, this is a, a great passage today. You know, right or wrong, uh, who you're related to makes a big difference in life. And how it is lived. Who you're related to. You know, if you're in politics and your name is Kennedy or Bush, uh, you have an advantage over others because you've got a family that's been involved in that. If you're related to the owner of a company, <laughs> you have an advantage for getting positions of leadership if you're related to them. You know, if you're related to someone famous, you may have some re- name recognition uh, that will open doors for you in business and uh, publishing, maybe other, other media pursuits. And, and who you are related to is not only significant in these big lifetime scales, if you will, who you are related to also has impact in the friendships that you make, say, in school. I mean, even in small communities, certain last names will draw some people to you, and while others may make people reluctant to kind of get close to you. And I know that people may try to not let it happen, In schools, but some children seem to have better opportunities in academics, in sports, in leadership because of their last name. You know it's true, and I know it's true. But in all of life, who we're related to really makes a big difference in life and how it is lived. Today we're in Romans chapter 8, and we understand from previous chapters, uh, passages, excuse me, in Romans, uh, that we have a definite obligation to God. He has done so much for us, and we have this definite obligation. But in these next few verses, uh, 14 through 17, Paul describes uh, how some privileges, he, de- he, he describes how these privileges are ours. And, and I want to I highlight those for you this morning. Uh, we now move from our duty... Last week we talked about our, it was our duty to, to kill sin, uh, to confront sin in our life. The Holy Spirit leads us in that. He, he points it out, and it's our job to attack that sin and, and take care of it. But now we move from our duty, I want to say, to our delight. This is, a, this is a, a message that is meant to be encouraging, okay? I'm not here to beat you up. I'm not here to step on your toes. I'm here to encourage you in your walk with the Holy Spirit. And what a, what a blessing it is. You know, Proverbs 8.30 says this. It says, I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence. I mean, think about that. We have the opportunity to walk day after day after day in his presence. I mean, we ought to delight in that. That ought to be like something that we're just over joy, over the moon joyful about, you know. But, but, but here we have the heart of the good news of the book of Romans in the, in this passage. And so I want to pray for us. And then I'm going to read this, these few verses, and then we'll, we'll go into this loving father. I thank you for this time. 
I thank you, Father, for the ministry that that has taken place through this church body in this area. Father, we know that you are in us and with us. And Father, we thank you for the opportunity to work with you in what you are doing in our world. And Father, I thank you also for this church body. I pray that you would just help us as we look at your word, Holy Spirit, that you would just illuminate it for us, that we would understand, that we would, that we would get it, that Father, that we would know you better because of it, our time together today. But Father, I pray that, that you would just quicken our hearts, uh, tender, uh, make our hearts tender to your voice, help us to know your voice so that we could follow you uh, wherever you go. And Father, we love you and we praise you. Guide us in our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, what a blessing. What a difference a week makes. I mean, in each one of our lives, we, we understand that. Sometimes we're, we have a horrible week and the next week, hopefully, we have a, a better week, you know, and, and we see God at work all around us. And, you know, I, I want to read this passage. It says this in verse 14 of chapter 8 of Romans. It says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. <laughs> you could just let that soak for a minute. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. You know, this, this passage is great, and I'm just gonna, we're just going to camp out here for a little bit and break this down, but you know, what we need to understand is that the Holy Spirit leads us. We have the Holy Spirit within us. You know, when we are born again, when we invite Jesus to come in, the Holy Spirit comes in and, 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 and abides within us, and, and I love that because, you know, aren't you glad Aren't you glad that we don't have to stumble around and wonder what we should do or the direction that we should take, but that God has given us the Holy Spirit to be our, to lead us and to guide us. I mean, we're not left without direction. We have the Holy Spirit. And, and I love this because the, the, the Greek word translated led means to show the way. It means to, to guide. And I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit's guide in my life. You know, he, he, uh, he does an amazing job of just guiding me and leading me. And, and what an amazing journey it has been walking with the Spirit of God. And, you know, while the Holy Spirit leads us, and he certainly leads us in specific and, and very personalized ways, first and foremost, we need to understand this, that he has changed the trajectory of our entire lives. The Holy Spirit has changed the, the trajectory of our entire lives and he leads us in such a way that we follow the path of the Lord. When we get off path, he, he brings us back to it. He says, hey, Ridge, you're a little bit off here. You need to get back on track. And so the Holy Spirit is the one that does that. For all of us who have received Christ as our Savior and Lord, we've been born again. And what we mean by that is born again of the Spirit. So when you, when you receive Christ, you receive all of the spirit that you are going to receive. 
There's not this, this, this second time, you know, there's not this other thing where you receive the spirit of God and he abides and he lives within you. I think it's important that we understand that because it is, it is I said before, it's, it's kind of a, a misnomer that there are Christians, a non-spirit filled and then spirit filled. Because if you have Jesus Christ in you, then you have his Holy Spirit in you. And therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, while the Holy Spirit leads us, he, he's changed the trajectory of our life and he leads us in a way to follow the path of the Lord. And, and Psalm 143 verse 10 says this. It says, teach me to do your will for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. I mean, the Holy Spirit is always at work, always at work controlling, guiding, comforting, convicting us, leading us in a way of correction. And so we are either grieving him or we are pleasing him. The Holy Spirit, we are either grieving him or we are pleasing him. And the Holy Spirit leads us. But we need to understand that we are loved We are loved as God's children. We've been born again of his spirit and and, and we are loved as God's children. This second, this is our second delight here. It's, it's spelled out in in, in the last part of verse 14, Romans chapter eight, verse 14 says, these are sons of God. (laughs) These are sons of God. I mean, I, I just get giddy inside when I hear that, that I'm a child of God that I belong to him. You know, I I love this. I read somewhere recently that some parents in New Zealand, they named their son for real. For real. Because they they were so impressed by the reality of his birth, they named him for real. And unfortunately, the distinctive name was eventually blocked by the courts because the New Zealand law forbids using numbers when naming babies. And so, you know, thank God for that law, but for real. I mean, this name is certainly better than the bizarre one that was chosen by two sets, two sets of American parents who named their sons ESPN. I mean, think about it. It's like, what? How would you put that on your child? But listen, if you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, John 1.12 says that you are a child of God. For as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe on his name. So When God thinks about you, he calls you son or daughter, and no court could ever take that away. Now, notice he didn't say, as many as read their Bibles, they are the sons of God. And he didn't say, as many as are patriotic Americans, these are sons of God. Or he didn't say, as many as take communion, these are the sons of God. In our text, we see the test for sonship. The fact that we are actually a son of God, a daughter of God, is whether or not a person is led by the Spirit of God. That's the test of sonship. That is the test that we belong to him. That's what it says. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. 
You know, when the, when the Holy Spirit moves, he really moves. So where does the Holy Spirit lead us? Where does he, where does he take us? Where does the Holy Spirit lead us to? I'll tell you where. He leads us to repentance. He takes our sinful self and he says, hey, you belong to Christ. You belong to God. You are a child of God. You should not be doing this. You should not be saying this. You should not be acting this way. And so you need to repent of that. And he convicts us and guides us into all truth. And so because we have the spirit of of God living in us, abiding with us, we listen to the spirit of God and he leads us to repentance. But that's not all. He also leads us to think little about ourselves and more about Jesus. He leads us to repentance. He leads us to think more about Jesus. He leads us into truth. He leads us into love. He leads us into holiness. Brothers and sisters, he leads us into usefulness. He makes us something usable in the kingdom that we weren't before. He changes the entire trajectory of our life. I love in Isaiah 43, uh, verse 1, it says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. What a powerful scripture. We belong to him. See, as one of God's children... You are his. You belong to him. Check out 1 John 3, 1. It says, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. You remember the parable of the prodigal son. After the boy had fallen on hard times, (laughs) he he began practicing his speech that he was going to say when he got home to his father. You know, wanting to become a servant in his father's house. And the father would have nothing to do with this because his boy was not a servant. He was his son. Listen to these words in Luke 15, verse 21 and following. It says, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring out the fatted calf. Kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has become alive again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. If you are a son or a daughter of God, he celebrates you. He celebrates you. You belong to him. You see, this is a tremendous fact because we live in this world here below. We live down here among the bottom feeders. And sometimes we get lost in that. But we need to recognize that we are a child of God, that we belong to him, that we are no under no law obligation to this world. We've been born again of the spirit and we belong to him. That's my daddy. I love him. See, we need to understand that. Because now we have freedom. 
and not fear. Oh, there's a lot of things that we think are fearful in this world, but because he is our father, we don't need to be afraid. We can delight that the Holy Spirit leads us and that we are the children of God. And the third delight is that we no longer must live in fear. I mean, verse 15 says, I gotta get back there. Verse 15 says, for if you, excuse me, for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. (laughs) Servants, they may be fearful. But sons and daughters of the king, they have freedom. They have tremendous freedom. So I ask you a question this morning. What are you afraid of? What are you fearful about? In this life, what are you afraid of? And if you are a child of God, there is nothing to fear because the Holy Spirit is with you and in you. Oh, there's so many things that throw us off. Just the slightest thing can throw us off and we we, we get fearful about life. We get fearful about our family. We get fearful about all of these things. But the Holy Spirit is with you and he is in you. We don't we don't need to be afraid. Hebrews 215 says that we must no longer fear death and free those who all of their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. When you read in the the newspaper and the obituary that Ridge Adams is dead, don't believe it for a minute. I died a long time ago. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. But the fact of the matter is, is that I'm more alive today and will be more alive on the day that I pass from this earth than I have ever been alive. I mean, I'm going to shout hallelujah as I go through the clouds. I'm going to be excited about what God has for me, because you know what? This verse goes on to say that I'm (laughs) I'm an heir of God, a joint heir, a fellow heir with Jesus Christ. My brother, my older brother, my perfect brother who paid the price for me. Folks, this is fantastic stuff. You know, the, the, the place of fear, uh, in place of fear, God has given us freedom. And he said, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love and of a sound mind. <laughs> this is fantastic. Because as believers, this should encourage all of us. That, that we don't have to fear what, what, what the enemy brings. We don't have to fear this life. We don't have to fear this world. I mean, don't threaten me with Jesus. You pull a gun on me, I may not flinch. I may say, do it, let's go. Because I want to be with him. Because I'm ready for him to return anytime. You know, we enjoy, this is so fantastic, we enjoy an intimate relationship with our Father. Oh, this is good. Intimate relationship with our father. I mean, you look at verse 15. The second half says we have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, father. (laughs) I mean, we're adopted into God's family. He's made us one of his own. He has brought us in. He has brought us out of the slimy pit. He put our feet on the solid ground. And he not only did that, he said, grab that best robe, grab that ring, grab the sandals, put them on his feet. 
Because this son of mine that was dead is now alive. We're adopted into his family. And I'm going to bring a message next week about all that. But I, I just want to give a contemporary application here. Since God is a God of adoption, shouldn't we also consider adoption? I mean, you think about this. Shouldn't we be working together to help believers put James 1, 27 into practice? Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. I mean, think about that. There's more room at the table. Scoop them up, bring them in. Let's do this. We can call God Abba. (laughs) I love this. Because born again believers are adopted into the family, into his family. One of our delights is to cry out Abba. I mean, the word cry really means to call out loud, to call, to shriek, if you will. And we have the amazing privilege the awesome, of, of, of calling the awesome and the majestic, the all-powerful God of the universe, Abba. Abba, which is an untranslated Aramaic word that means daddy. You think about this. It's of a, of a little child in, in the home that is, that is calling to his father and he, he has a term of endearment and it, it's intimate. It's, it's this precious word that he calls his, his daddy. And it's, it's like we have that opportunity to call God our daddy. And it speaks of an intimate relationship. It was used by Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. As he was pouring out his heart in Mark 14, verse 36, he said, Abba, Father, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but your will be done. Abba, Father, folks, this is a good model for us since we can approach our Father God with confidence. We approach him with confidence, but we at the same time commit to do his will and whatever it is he tells us to do. We, we, we with confidence, cry out to him. You know, this past weekend, we, we hosted um, and, and saw a few of our grandchildren over the weekend. Listen, <laughs> I absolutely love it when my grandchildren call me Paul. If they went around and said, Grandfather, Grandfather, can you fix this? Grandfather, can you get me a muffin and and a pouch? Some of you may not get that because you don't have little ones. But my grandson Beckett, he likes two muffins and one pouch for breakfast every morning. I love it when they call me Pa. It's a term of endearment. I'm their paw. I'm not someone else's paw. I'm their paw. And God loves it when his children call him daddy as well. 
See, we have communion with God because of our adoption. And we can communicate intimately with him because he invites us to call him Abba, Father. You know, but if you're like me, maybe there are times when you may wonder, you know, does God really care what I'm going through right now? Is he hanging out? Is he listening? God, where are you in this? And it's at those times that the Holy Spirit goes to work in yet another way. Folks, this is so important. Because the Holy Spirit assures us of our relationship. The Holy Spirit is the one that assures us that we know God and that God knows us. He assures us of that relationship. It's kind of like a boy that was, that was flying a kite and the kite was so high. He had so much line let out. It all but disappeared in the clouds. And this fella come walking along and he says, man, what are you doing? He said, why are you hanging on to that string? And he said, he said, well, there's a kite up there. And the guy looked up there and he said, well, I don't see it. What are you talking about? I don't, I can't see it. It's gone. And he said, well, I can't see it either, but I know it's there because I feel the tug on the line. Folks, it's that way with the Holy Spirit. We may not see him physically, but we feel the tug on the line of our heart. We feel that tug, and that's what he does for us. We may not always see the evidence that we are a son or daughter of God, but we will feel his tug on our hearts continually that reminds us that we belong to him, that we are his. And we take delight in the declaration in verse 16. I love this. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. The spirit himself testifies That phrase, the Spirit Himself. This is very emphatic. And it shows us that the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit Himself testifies. We're not talking about some some inanimate object. We're not talking about some uh, power that we don't know. We're talking about not some uh, Star Wars kind of force. The Holy Spirit of God is a person. He himself, the Holy Spirit himself testifies. You see, we have the objective truth of Scripture that born again believers are in the family of God because the Holy Spirit of God testifies that we are children of God. Now, this is just hang with me. I'm going to I'm going to move through this, but hang with me because this is important. First, John 513 says this. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you will know that you have eternal life. The Holy Spirit's words. Spoken to people who wrote them down that we have today. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We have his words that these things that who believe in the name of of the son of God may know that that, that they have eternal life. If you go back just a couple of verses, it's not just something for our heads. It's also something for our hearts. He says this in in John first John 510. 
anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart. Anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart. And according to 1 John 4.13, one of the roles of the Spirit is to give us certainty about our salvation. It says this, we know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. Now, here's the good part. It says he himself, the Holy Spirit, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit gives this inner testimony with our spirit that we are adopted into God's family. And at the end of time, when we stand before Almighty God, the Holy Spirit will stand with us and testify before God the Father as to our adoption that we belong to him. Second Corinthians 1, 2, um, 21 and 22 says, Now it is God who both makes us and you stand firm in Christ. He establishes us. He anoints us. He sets his seal of ownership on us. And he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, as a down payment, as a guarantee for what is to come. You see, this reference in verse 16 to the Spirit testifying builds on a picture of how Roman adoptions worked back in the day. When an adoption was finalized, the ceremony was carried out, and it was carried out in the presence of seven witnesses who could testify as to the legitimacy of the adoption, guaranteeing that the one who was adopted had full rights as a child in that household. You see, the Holy Spirit confirms our adoption. And so we can have a confidence in that, that we are a child of the King. He gives independent testimony. And then he corroborates the testimony of our own spirit. Now, in Deuteronomy 19, I know I'm wading through this, but just hear me out. I'm going somewhere with this. Deuteronomy 19, 15, it says that a matter can only be decided based on the testimony of at least two witnesses. That's God's word, Deuteronomy 19, 15. As one pastor put it, he said, our human spirit says, I'm a child of God, Abba, Father. And then the Holy Spirit says, yes, he is a child of God, Abba, Father. There's two witnesses. And so it is settled. Out of the mouths of two witnesses, it is settled. <laughs> you, know, you know, the 19th century preacher, uh, Billy Bray, I think that's a great name for a preacher, Billy Bray. He got saved out of a life of drunkenness, and he was so overjoyed by God's goodness and his grace that he said, I cannot stop praising the Lord. He said, I, and when I'm walking down the street, I lift one foot up and it shouts glory. And I pick the other foot up and it shouts amen. You know, you can just see it. Somebody walking down the street, glory, amen, glory, amen. I mean, I feel like we could use some of that in our world. Maybe, maybe we need to try that glory and amen, because God has been so very, very good to us. You know, we are also this passage tells us that we are named 
in God's will. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's going to be a good one. He owns it all. It all belongs to him. That's going to be a good one. You know, Elon Musk is the richest man in the world right now, and he has a net worth of $218 billion. I can't even wrap my mind around that, okay? $218 billion. Bill Gates is worth maybe half that, $125 billion. Wouldn't you like to be named in one of their wills? Oh, yeah, and to Brother Ridge, we bequeath. As believers in Jesus Christ, we have something even better. I mean, a major cause for delight is that we are heirs, heirs of God. <laughs> the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also. Oh, that's beautiful. Heirs also. Sometimes we say that when someone has a lot of money that, that they are rich. But we need to be reminded that only those that have and know Jesus Christ are truly rich. We are heirs of God, and as heirs of God, you are in God's will, and you will share in God's family fortune. That's really old money if you want to know it. Ephesians 1.8 says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And 1 Peter 1.4 says, and into an inheritance that you can never perish, never spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. Your name is in God's will. We are heirs of God, but we are also co-heirs with Christ. And brothers and sisters, if you know Jesus Christ, then everything that he has is yours. <laughs> Being a co-heir with Christ means that everything that Christ has, we have, but, it, but it's only because of our connection to him. And don't forget that our duty comes out of our delight. He's given us so much. And so we want to put to death the sin. We want to do the things that we talked about last week and the week before because of who we are in Jesus Christ. You know, there's, there's one more thing I got I to share with you and then I'll, I'll be done. And it has to do with our destiny. If we check out the, the last part of, of Romans 17, it says, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ. I dare not leave this out. If indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. See, this, this theme is going to be developed in greater detail in the verses that follow, but suffice it to say today, that we must go through grief before we enter glory. Many of us may be grieving over something currently, right now. We may be in a, a state of grief. 
And, and we must go through grief before we enter glory. We are heirs of God, but the full benefits of this will not be poured upon us until we are in eternity. Our present grief, the grief that we go through right here, right now, prepares us for future glory. We don't like the grief. We don't like the suffering. And we're all suffering. We're all going through something currently. But the bottom line is, that is not our destiny. Our destiny lays beyond. And what a destiny it is. In the meantime, we suffer in the, in the, we share in the sufferings of our Savior. I mean, since Jesus suffered, we should be prepared to suffer also. And it says when he went through the suffering, he answered them not a word. Oh man, if we're suffering, we got to tell everybody about it. We want some witnesses. We want somebody to know that we're suffering. And we go out and we talk about it. We talk about it. We talk about it. If we share in his sufferings, we will also share in his glory. And suffering doesn't necessarily mean that something's wrong. Rather, it's a mark. It's evidence that we are sons and daughters of God. Don't give up so easy. Don't throw in the towel. Recognize who you are. Wear that. Walk in that. Be that. That's what he's called us to be. I think Philippians 1.29 is a very good corrective verse for us when we feel like we're going through something, some stress or some sickness or mockery or outright persecution. It says, for it has not been, excuse me, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Wait a minute, Ridge. We just want the good part. Why'd you have to bring up suffering? Because we have to go through the suffering. We don't receive the crown without the cross. We don't receive the glory without the grief. Acts 14 says we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Listen, understand this. God is in control. He is in control even when we are suffering, even when it's in that midnight hour, even when we don't really understand or we feel like time is running out or we feel like our faith is weak and, and it seems like evil is prospering. That's when we have opportunities to put this into practice, to be what God calls us to be. You know, every temporary setback is a setup for a great comeback. Because when the Holy Spirit moves, He really moves. Amen. Have you experienced the moving of the Holy Spirit? I think of that great hymn. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchased of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. Folks, this is my story. This is your story. But what a great story it is. Let's not 
Let's not cease to tell it to those around us. Would you pray with me? Loving Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we just don't know how blessed we are to call you Father. You have lavished your love upon us. You give us everything that we need for this life. You've given us everything that we need for eternal life. Father, you are preparing us for the weight of glory. You are cutting off all the dross. You are cutting off all the rough edges. Father, you are, you are, we are your creation. We are your workmanship created for good works. But Father, we recognize that we go through hardships. We recognize that life, this life here on earth is tough. And, and Father, we must, we must claim you here. I want to stand beside the Holy Spirit. I want to hear that Holy Spirit testify to you, Father, that I belong to you. Father, I want to see Jesus testify that I belong to you. He said, if you are ashamed of me in front of men here, I'll be ashamed of you in front of my Father who is in heaven. But if you proclaim me among men here, I will proclaim you among my father, before my Father in heaven. Lord, we know by our spirit that we belong to you. If we've never accepted Christ, I ask that your spirit, even now, would draw us to you. If we've never made a proclamation of our faith in you, a profession of that, I pray that we would do that today. Father, you at work in hearts all around. And Holy Spirit, when you move, you really move. So I ask that today you would really move. Give us the, the true assurance that we belong to you. Father, help us to bring us to a place of repentance. Bring us to a place of, of holiness. Bring us to a place of usefulness in your kingdom. And God, that you would do that for your glory and for your honor. Lord, thank you for guiding us. I pray in a time of response that we would respond to the Spirit of God. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Guide us. Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen.